This week's podcast brought to you by Knights in White Castle. The other day we were driving back from the beach and our eight-year-old said from the back of the minivan, when I get home, can I take the first shower? Because I have sand where sand shouldn't be. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. You and I used to go to the movies all the time. We don't anymore. We certainly don't see any non-kids movies ever in the movie theater. Um, but last Well, night, we used to go to movies all the time before we had children, when yeah. we actually had time to go to the movies. You and I loved going to the movies, especially when we lived in New York and could just walk out of the apartment and there were multiple movie theaters within like 10 blocks showing movies at all different times of day. It was one of the great pleasures of living in New York. You, yeah. you go into a dark theater, soundproof, away from the matting crowd of Manhattan and you get lost in a even a bad movie is good in those circumstances especially when there's decent popcorn um but yeah once we had children the time that we used to spend at the movies somehow didn't well, exist anymore the, the, the time you spent at the movies became non-existent I still take the kids to every kid's movie that comes out or anything that's pg-13 and under but um, especially but, in the winter time when the weather's cruddy and I tend to work on Sundays, um, but Sunday afternoons are a time when you take the kids to the movies. But the point is, you and I haven't watched a movie together in probably years until until last night when we happened to watch on HBO the 2018 version of A Star is Born. We did. And we were both left two and a half hours later. Mostly wondering what the hell just happened. Right. Well, not even somewhat, so much what just happened, but so many people had told me about just, it was such a great movie. This is such a great movie. This is such a great movie. And after the movie, I just said, I wouldn't see that again. I mean, it was fine. Well, you wouldn't but see any movie I certain, again. I certainly didn't think it was like such a great movie. I mean, I thought it was fine. It was enjoyable enough. Uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, both very talented. They were both great, and I, I liked just, them both. I just didn't wasn't sure what was happening. I, I, right. <laughs> well, that was part of this the will, problem. This will mean nothing to anybody who hasn't seen the movie, but since a lot of people have, I, right. I would put it out there. There were times we were watching the movie, and I said to you, what just happened or what did he just say like because there's it wasn't even that because the audio was bad there's just mumbling like there was, mum- Bradley there was a lot of mumbling way of speaking yeah. in the movie which was is- which was sam elliott's way of speaking in the movie and at some point three quarters of the way through the movie we were supposed to believe and maybe it happened earlier and my mem- my mind was wandering but that sam elliott 75 year old sam elliott is the brother of 40 year old bradley cooper or how right. old Bradley Cooper is? Yeah, they they set that up somehow earlier in the movie. It it, 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 it took place. We, we're not sure where it took place. It was it was it appeared to be that Lady Gaga's character lived in Los Angeles, but her father Andrew Dice Clay and all of his suited cohorts who lived in the house with him apparently. Yeah, he was a, he was like a limousine driver, and they all his fellow limousine drivers in their suits and white shirts all sat around the kitchen table with him all day. It, speaking in New York accents, and yet 
they clearly lived in Los Angeles, but they put her on a plane to fly her to Bradley Cooper's concert, which turned out to be at the Greek Theater, also in Los Angeles. I was I was confused. And then at some point, randomly, Dave Chappelle, the comedian, appears, looking very much like himself and talking very much like himself. Who was he? I'm still a little confused as to who he was in the movie. And then Although they fly it was great else. to see him because I love Dave Chappelle, too. They so. fly somewhere else to to get married uh, with Dave Chappelle, Lady Gaga and and Bradley Cooper, because I could hardly think of them as anybody other than those two. And the pastor performing the ceremony is another comedian who I recognize. Right. Yeah, it was odd. Um, but we, it's, I mean, we watched the whole thing and it's not a short movie. Um, and yeah, it was, <laughs> it was well, just the fact that you and I got to sit down and watch a movie because our, my sister was babysitting the kids was delightful. The experience of sitting there and, and watching this movie, um, albeit from our couch on, uh, on HBO was delightful, but yeah, the movie was odd. <laughs> and one of the it became one of the plot points. But Bradley Cooper speaks with the same uh, distinctive voice as Sam Elliott, right? Which was Bizarre. weird because you're thinking the whole movie that's not what Bradley Cooper sounds like, and I realize right. that's part of acting. He's creating and it made a him so much less intelligible. Like I just had a hard time sometimes understanding what the heck he was saying, which is not ideal in a movie. <laughs> When you can't understand what someone's saying. So anyway, is that our resounding review and recommendation for everybody to we go see the We watched the whole movie? thing, and the music was good. The music was terrific. You and, and I were both saying- super talented people. You and movie. I were both saying today how we cannot get Shallow, the song, out of our brains. Like, it's just stuck in my head. But I, I did consult IMDB, and, and I was asking questions, Googling questions that I had about the movie all throughout the movie. It, it, it required a- um, you During know, the movie, you were Googling questions. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's anyway. our that's our, <laughs> that's our we're, we're not going to turn this into a Siskel and Ebert at no. the movies. No. Though we probably we, should. Right. <laughs> you know, because we had this experience being able to watch the movie because my sister had our kids, um, it got me thinking that I am the absolute worst version of myself as a parent. Like when I'm not parenting, I generally am pleasant. I think I I don't raise my voice. I don't lose my temper. I'm not. I, I don't nag. Um, I don't say like obnoxious dumb stuff. Uh, we heard recently a mom saying to her son, "What was she saying? Like you gotta be part of the team." She's like he, telling he, her he was ready to go to the parking lot from the beach, but she had 19 umbrellas, beach towels, blankets, buckets. Uh, shovels and all the boogie boards to pick up. And he was not feeling like picking up any of that. And the mom said, come on, help us out here. Be part of the team. Right. And and I was just thinking as she was doing that, I think at one point she may have gotten a little testy too. Like there's no chance that was the best version of herself either. Like the kids, you know, we, we love our children, of course, but children bring out the absolute worst versions of ourselves. Like, would you agree that the worst version of yourself is when you're in the role of a father? <laughs> well, of course, but that's a big part of myself. So I don't know that there are versions of ourselves. It's just, it's just that I think kids... there are. There are versions because... Well, like, of course, there I'm are not... put-upon versions, and, and this no. is probably one of them. The best version of yourself is probably when you're doing this podcast but no, for but public when consumption. I'm, when I'm... I don't, I'm not, like I was saying before, I'm not normally a nagging, you know, yelling, <laughs> crazy person, but I am that a lot 
when I'm around our children. And when you're and dealing, it's completely their fault. And when you're making calls to like the cable company and stuff. Well, that's otherwise, such a rare piece of it. Otherwise, the the best version of yourself is when you're talking on the phone. You have a completely di- you talk about Bradley Cooper. You have a completely different voice on the phone. We used to call it your high grand voice because it's the way you would speak to your grandma. Hi, Gran. Fortunately, I hardly ever speak on the phone now, so so you don't get that version. But, uh, but yeah, I think every person has like different versions of themselves. And, and this was just a random observation that the parent version of me is the worst version of me. That's but that, all. But that's only 90% of your day. Right. So that's, that's... And, it, and, and, you know, that's going to be what percent of my life? 75% right. of my life. So then I would say the best version of myself is... is um, when you're sleeping. Eating ice cream, Steve. <laughs> The eating ice cream, Steve. <laughs> I'm always happy. It only lasts about 12 seconds, but. <laughs> eating ice cream, Steve, is the best version of Steve. I think it is. I, I won't disagree. August 20th. Your book's out. Yeah, uh, that's next week, next Tuesday. So we probably won't do a podcast because I'll be in Minneapolis uh on Tuesday when the book is released, on August 20th, Knights in White Castle comes out. I'll be at Majors and Quinn in Minneapolis at 7 p.m. Uh, if anybody in Minnesota is listening to this. Two days later, August 22nd at 7 p.m., I'll be in Connecticut at R.J. Julia at Wesleyan University. Alma mater of both Bill Belichick and Lynn manuel Miranda. And that's also at 7 p.m. Strange bedfellows, by the way. Do you th- that is very true. Maybe we can invite, um, I think Bill Belichick is busy right now, but maybe we can invite I'm guessing Lynn- Lin-Manuel Manuel. Miranda is even busier. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably so. I've read Knights in White Castle, thoroughly enjoyed it, but um, most people haven't read it since it's not out till August 20th. So why don't you tell people what it's about? Did you enjoy it more than A Star is Born? <laughs> I enjoyed it considerably more than A Star is Born, but there's fewer song lyrics that are, um, you know, in my brain from the book than there was from the movie. Well, it's a memoir of uh, the 1980s, my high school, college years, and then leaving home and going off to find my way in the big city of of New York. So it's, uh, as somebody said to me, they thought it was about uh, three places as much as anything else. Minneapolis, Bloomington, where I grew up and went to high school, Milwaukee, where I went to college. My college dorm, by the way, freshman dorm, is being knocked down by a wrecking ball as we speak today. McCormick Hall at Marquette. That's getting raised today? Today. And then New York City, um, where I went to work as a fact checker at Sports Illustrated uh, out of college. But but the sort of uh, glue that holds it all together is White Castle, which was our hangout in high school. And as many listeners of the podcast know, I have a great fondness for, even now, the microwavable sliders. This is a a good point to bring up that yesterday, while my sister was babysitting our children, and before we watched A Star is Born on HBO, and we could have gone anywhere for dinner, including to the grocery store, and I could have come home and made whatever we wanted for dinner. Dinner instead... (laughs) consisted of you wanted to make you wanted to make an iced coffee and then you opened the fridge and there was no half and half so you asked me would i be willing to go to the grocery store and get just a small container of half and half i'd been looking forward to this iced coffee all all afternoon you're flying out to phoenix tonight we certainly don't need any any a lot of groceries because once once you've turned the house keys over to me i'll be feeding the kids this kind of stuff so yeah i did get a six-pack of microwavable a castle uh, sliders with vinyl. You came and, home and with a 
with a little tiny pint, I guess, of half and half for my coffee and White Castles. <laughs> Where did you go? Did you go to the grocery store? Or did you go I to, went the to the gas grocery station? Store, but uh, they don't have White Castle at the gas station. You always ask that. They don't. They no. don't have that. But um, if we could get back to me for just a moment and my book. So yeah, most nights ended in high school and college. Well, in college when I was home for the summer at White Castle, and um, you know this was happening even uh, when I was in middle school. My oldest brother was in high school, his senior year of high school. Uh, he and his buddy Fluff procured from the day manager at White Castle two White Castle uniforms, the paper hat, the powder blue at the time, collared smocks, and even had name tags printed up with their names on them, pinned to their to their uniforms, to attend a costume party at their buddy Schultz's house in Bloomington. And that night at about 11 p.m., they left the party and went to the White Castle and told the now night manager that they had been hired there by the day manager and he put them to work immediately on the stainless steel grill, flipping burgers. And my brother, Jim, and his buddy, Fluff, Fluff, boxed up, grilled and boxed up dozens of hamburgers. And by this time, their party of 100 people from Schultz's house had come to the castle. And Jim and Fluff then started handing them over the counter to their friends who weren't being charged for the burgers. And when the when the spatula-wielding manage, night manager found out what was happening, he, he ran them, he chased them out of there. I was talking to one of our friends in the last couple of months, and he had obviously not yet read Knights in White Castle, but he had read Stingray Afternoons. And he was saying to me, he said, you know, Steve and his brothers, you know, got in a bit of trouble. They were... Or, uh, troublemakers or something as kids and i said yes we were, we were trouble takers so as they much as troublemakers but like you know I, you, everybody did everybody no, did. but that's the thing uh, no, they everybody didn't did. you, you tell it, these in stories in the 70s and 80s everybody was constantly that's true you tell you know, these, they, they weren't even getting in trouble i mean my brother he didn't get in trouble for that i know he you tell these it. stories as if this was just normal behavior it was from I tell every you. kid of that era no most kids it did was. not pretend to be employees of White Castle, work a few hours there, and give free burgers to all their friends. That simply didn't happen my, to My most brother people. Tom and his buddies in high school had an eating contest. This is before professional eating was a thing. Professional competitive eating was a thing. They had a, an eating contest at, at uh, Pizza Hut, I believe it was. And, um, so it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet kind of a yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. And... and Tom won, and his his his, his closest rival was busted and kind of waved the white flag, as it were, when Tom went into the bathroom stall and found him, his his rival, sitting on the stall with a full pizza on his lap. (laughs) What was he doing? He was eating while yes, and and um, even that night. Ended at White Castle after they after they had cried uncle in a competitive eating contest. You went to White Castle to prove that you could a still eat some more, because the sliders are so small you could eat ten at a sitting, and b that's just where people went at the end of the night. Well, I'm just saying that 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 behavior is not necessarily it wasn't happening everywhere. You tell these stories as if it's happening everywhere, and I don't know if this story is in um, Nights in White Castle, if it's in Stingray Afternoons, or if it's in either book, but. Um, 
you know, when you talk about being a kid and a passenger in the back of a car, was this in Stingray Afternoons and one of your buddies no, it's in stole, White Castle. Uh, the... It's in this book. Okay, well, re- why don't you relay that story and you tell that as if it's a normal thing that happened, and it's, of course it's not. And my buddies and I were driving to a Saturday matinee at Southdale Theater where we had uh, taped the, the the door so that we could pull it from the outside, outside the theater and, and sneak into the theater. And, of course, it would let in a big shaft of light in a dark theater, but we were almost never never busted for it and but while we were on our way there to commit that illegal act uh, we were going down a divided main thoroughfare in in the twin cities france avenue and while we were going north some police car was coming south and it made a u-turn to uh follow us what appeared to be following us and my friend driving the car sped up and the police car sped up and then my friend sped up some more and the police car sped up some more and pretty soon we knew through really no fault of our own it was it was uh I think it was the fault of the cop. We were in a high-speed police chase with a police car, and it ended in the parking lot of, a, of an embassy suites with us holding our hands, pressing our hands to the, to the interior roof of the car. And I tell you, every kid in that car was a good kid, and and it, it, we. But we're hearing a bullhorn tell us to you know leave our leave our hands on the top of the car, our sweaty palm prints on the top of the car. And one of our buddies was frisked by a female cop, which um, in 1983 or whenever this was, was uh, became the source of, of endless um, banter for the next 10 years. So, A, n- that's not something that happened to most e- kids. Even then, and- it didn't seem normal. But we were, let, we were all but the driver was let go. And I walked, do you, do you have a nearby house you can go to? And we all said yes. And of course, we didn't. I walked three or four miles home. Well, and B, that wasn't even the, the, the story I was referring to. I was referring oh. to the story with the um, fire extinguisher. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we did drive around. And which book is that from? That's in Stingray Afternoons. Okay. Well, why don't you tell that story now? Well, too? some people may have read it, but we, we got a fire extinguisher from the high school and, and drove around. And some people in the car were then hosed down, you know, ask a pedestrian what time it was. And when the guy would say, well, my good man, it's... Uh, 17 minutes past the, the we, somebody in our car would hose the guy down for doing a kind gesture of uh, you're asking me questions now that paint me as a monster and didn't you also go through a drive through and when you at went McDonald's. up to the drive through window that was another kid yeah but well you were in the back seat ordered food uh, accepted it and then hosed down the person in the drive through window All right again so these are things that you these stories are stories that you tell, and yes, they're very funny, but you tell them as if this was like normal, everyday occurrence, um, whether it's in Bloomington or anywhere else. And I'm saying, no, you guys are just hooligans. I, I think some of our listeners surely have done and seen similar things when they were in high school, particularly if they were in high school back then. I just don't think that... It was a much less was, supervised <laughs> It was definitely time. a less supervised time, but... The way you tell it as if it was a, a thing that all kids did and all good kids did. I, I don't, did, I don't is, say that all kids not, did it. I never said true. that all kids did it. And, well, I uh, didn't suggest for and, a second that all kids did it. And, uh, you know, hopefully, I mean, at some point, you know, when our children start to, uh, you know, sow their oats things, and do some. I mean, just think about if you, what, what it would be now if some high school age kid pulled up I, and you I'd were walking be, down I'd the street be, and he be, said excuse me good livid. sir what time is it and you said wow it's 17 past the I'm hour i'm glad you asked young man <laughs> and then he hosed you down 
just think you know what of I would do? I how can tell you, I can tell you exactly you what I would be. do. I can tell you exactly <laughs> what I would do. What would you do? I would look up to the heavens <laughs> and address God directly and say, and I quote, touche. <laughs> That's what well you played, would say. God. <laughs> what <laughs> took you so long? That's <laughs> what I would say to the kid who holds me down with a fire extinguisher. What took you so long? <laughs> this is this goes back to a conversation that you and I were having yesterday. We were talking about you know being parents, and uh, you said that's the beauty of being grandparents, so that you can say to your own children, "See, this is the exact same crud you put me through uh, when you were growing up." Absolutely. Well, you have a flight to catch to Phoenix tonight. I and do so have a why don't we get to, to viewer mail, shall we? Yes, let's definitely get to viewer mail. I think we have I think we do have voluminous viewer mail this week, so let's let's crack open the old mailbag. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Our resident travel consultant, uh, Patty Gallagher, Patty with two T's and an I. Uh, sends us the Spirit Airlines baggage policy in oh, italics. Okay, I mean, I'm not going to read it all. It's it's it's. Um, Did she send? Was the overhead bin policy included? Well, didn't you say that they charge to use the overhead? Well, bin? what she says, Spirit allows passengers to bring one small personal item for free, but they charge for standard carry-on that would go in the overhead. So your personal, uh, you're you're allowed to bring your wallet or, or your purse. Then there's all kinds of other. Uh, contingencies, but okay. Patty writes, all that being said, the rules are loosely enforced. What travelers paid is attached to the passenger reservation and is supposed to be noted on the boarding pass. For the most part, however, the staff of Spirit Airlines doesn't pay close attention to any carry-ons. Basically, travelers are at the whim of the staff. Sometimes they check, sometimes they don't. If they do happen to check, travelers will have to pay at the gate and the cost can be higher. Like TSA checkpoints, different airports can also have different procedures. And we've experienced that. The, the entire whim of of TSA pre where when we travel with our kids yes if you're if you're under thir- ru- if you're under 14 then you you uh you don't have to have TSA pre to go through TSA and pre and then another, another airport, airport will if you're say under 12. if you're under 12 another airport was well as long as you're under 16 because you don't even have a a photo ID until you're 16 we experienced that when we were traveling this summer three different airports three different uh, set of rules. I mean, we never saw anything in writing. It was just what the TSA um, person was saying. But uh, yeah, so th- that makes sense. Eric sends us a link to a Washington Post story. I'm just sticking with the travel theme for now. A, a Post reporter wrote a piece titled How to Survive 12 Hours in an Airport. She got to uh, BWI 12 hours before her flight to LAX. But I think Eric sent this for for the lead. This is by Natalie B. Compton of the Washington Post, and she writes, Consuming vodka and clam chowder at 6 a.m. on a Wednesday isn't behavior normally condoned by the general public. But tell people that you're having an early morning Bloody Mary and a snack at the airport, and no one bats an eye. That's because the airport is not reality. The airport is a parallel dimension in which the normal rules that govern humanity are cast aside. Strange behaviors, like drinking liquor at daybreak or sitting on linoleum tethered to an electrical outlet, become the norm. And she encloses a diary of her 12 hours at the airport, and she makes it all the way to 9.24 a.m. before she has a Bloody Mary at the Green Turtle. I'm surprised there hasn't been a um, television show or sitcom yet that takes place at an airport. Is there? 
I mean, it seems like it would be a perfect place. Well, there was that show Wings in the 80s. Right, which, which took place was... like a, an airport on Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket or Cape Cod right, or something. Right, right. Sticking with the travel theme, Dr. Gary Siegel uh, sends a link to a story on Delta being told by the Department of Transportation that they cannot ban pit bulls as service animals. Apparently, Delta had some employees bitten by pit bulls and probably but, reasonably banned them as service animals. And then we're told that they cannot ban them. Why is that? Because pit bulls Just are people too. <laughs> pit bulls can be service pets too. Please note, writes Dr. Siegel, that fraudulent ESA, emotional support animal, certificates are available online. I th- we may have talked about we this. We have talked yeah. about this, yes. The podcast viewers want the Russian family, especially, especially Rebecca, writes Dr. Siegel, to be safe and careful when flying on all airlines and especially when flying on Delta, my hometown carrier. Why especially you, I wonder? Well, because I'm his favorite. That's true. Okay, moving on. Rebecca and Steve, I'm always a sucker for a great portmanteau. Do you know, do, do you, Rebecca, know what a portmanteau is? Is that, Well, is that one word or two? Is it, it sounds to me the way you just said it, like a portmanteau. I don't know what a portmanteau it is. It's the phalange of a guy working at the dock. <laughs> is it? Is it? You know, like the really thick yellow toenail. That's what a portman. Portmanteau is a like combination of two words um, colliding head on, and like a Reese's peanut butter cup forming something new and delightful. Okay. Well, can you first? Can you spell portmanteau? P-O-R-T-M-A-N-T-E-A-U. Okay. Sounds like a wine, a French wine, does it not? It does. Rebecca and Steve writes Lori with an I. I'm always a sucker for a great portmanteau. So in episode 88, when the story of the cheetah print speedo was told and the result was Cheetos, I decided it was time to write Bravo on that one. Our paths have crossed before. We've never met, but our paths literally have crossed, writes Lori. Do you know where our paths might have crossed, Rebecca? I, I, I'm eager to find out. Do you remember looking at a woman... You crossed paths with and thought, that looks like a lorry with an eye? <laughs> Many times. Well, let's see, let's see if you're thinking of the same thing that she was. Okay. It was a Sunday, late August 2004, Athens, Greece. I was working the Olympics for NBC with extremely long hours and had just a few hours free to see some of Athens. It was the last day of the games, the day the flame went out. I was exhausted from the distance walk, hills climbed, the heat, and maybe there was some wine with lunch that made me tired. My memory is fuzzy. It was hot. It was It was hot. dusty. And you did wait a long time for a waiter to acknowledge you. Oh, always. In Athens. I decided to re-energize, writes Laurie, at a little sidewalk cafe with one of those Greek Nescafe frappes. Or fraps. She has the little accent over the E, so I'm going with frappes in her case. Awesome people watching. Awesome people watching. We're awesome people watching. And a caffeine blast that nearly stopped my heart. A man and a woman together walked by, both familiar to me, but it took a moment to recognize them. I guess a Sunday stroll in a foreign land put them a bit out of context. They were smiling, appeared very happy, and sort of newlywedy. They made me smile. They were you. That was 15 years ago. Rebecca, Steve, Laurie, our path-crossing anniversary is coming up. I will raise a glass. (laughs) Our 15-year... Path-crossing-versary. With Laurie. uh, I hope she's raising a glass of Uzo. And the Greek. I, exactly. I was, uh, that was August, so I was five or six months pregnant. So undoubtedly in 2004, wearing one of a variety of baseball jerseys I owned at that that time because it was something that you could wear that would fit over a pregnant person's belly. If you ever need a Walla Walla correspondent, writes Laurie, Walla Walla, Washington. Mm-hmm. 
I'm assuming it's Walla Walla, Washington. Unlike Brooklyn, where there's Unlike many Walla options. Unlike Walla Walla, Maryland, yeah. Right. Let me know. It's a quirky and colorful town, kind of like the Gilmore Girls' Stars Hollow, only we have wine tasting rooms, sweet onions, and a penitentiary. Gilmore Girls' Stars Hollow is in Connecticut. Based on a town it's in Washington Depot, isn't it? That's right, yeah. The late, great Adam West and Drew Bledsoe are probably its most notable sons. Better yet, come visit fondly Lori. Lori is our new Walla Walla correspondent. I think we may have had one previously, but that person is now fired, and, and Lori is taking Lori is it. Well, and, and, and happy early 15-year anniversary. And while we're rem- reminiscing about anniversaries, John writes, Steve and Rebecca, I had some wings across the street and thought about joining you for a Guinness as a night cup. Cheers, John. And he encloses a picture of the Dublin House harp, the great neon pink and green harp at night. But he didn't go in, he was across the street? Well, I mean, it's not the kind of place that it's a little bit intimidating, the Dublin House, wouldn't you say? I think you just have to be in the right mood for the Dublin House. Well, anyway, that's where you and I met, so that's another uh, anniversary. Not coming up, but it's an anniversary. Donna writes, Steve and Rebecca, and this is another one with illustration. This is an illustration of a um, ball and chain podcast Coaster oh, lovely. on a playground mm-hmm. in what looks like a very temperate place. She's also actually tweeted me that picture, so I'll retweet it for people. Our, okay. our Twitter handle, of course, is at Ball and Chain Pod, and they can take a look at the picture we're talking about. And the email is ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Donna writes, Steve and Rebecca, greetings from my hometown of Santa Clara, California. I now live near D.C., but whenever I'm home, I take the opportunity to go for a run through the beautiful... Santa Clara University campus. Here's a shot of the outdoor hoop near the other athletic facilities on campus. Thanks for the swag. It helps put the shot in perspective. Please note that behind this little court, you can see the practice field of the Santa Clara Bronco women's soccer team. It's early on a Saturday morning in mid-August, and they're out there doing drills. This is the program that has brought us world champions Brandy Chastain and Julie Johnston Ertz. Santa Clara is also where Steve Nash went, yeah. right? Which leads me to an idea. How about an interview with Brandy Chastain and Jerry Smith, another athletic dynamic duo. Jerry Smith is the soccer coach, the women's soccer coach at Santa Clara. Have a great day, Donna. That is a good idea. Love to have them on. I'm actually, um, this coming Friday, I'm going to be at a Connecticut Sun game. And after the game, I am um, doing a QA and a on the court with Christine Lilly, who was part of that 1999 World Cup um, championship team from connecticut and uh so anybody anyway if anybody um, connecticuter another nutmegger yes and the interesting thing about being a soccer player in connecticut of course nutmeg is slang for putting the ball between the legs of your defender Mm -hmm. and uh, this is the nutmeg state it is that is interesting so a nutmegger who is a nutmegger is interesting at least one person me yes you may bring that up with Christine Lilly, think, but she's never I heard that before. I think that's the first thing I'm going to bring up with Christine Lilly. Dear Restiva, writes Kevin, I recently was out in Oregon, and my girlfriend and I went for a longer hike near Mount Hood. We arrived at the trailhead and parked next to a vehicle with a Richfield Bloomington Honda license plate frame. I'm originally from Richfield, writes Kevin. I'm originally from Bloomington. So imagine parking at the trailhead Mount near Mount Hood and seeing a Richfield Bloomington Honda license plate. This is me, Steve, saying this, not not Kevin. Right. But Richfield is a town of about 35,000 people, so you're unlikely to see that in Oregon. It was a particularly busy day, Saturday, writes Kevin, and we said hi to everyone on the trail. I'd guess probably in the 150-person range. I was very surprised as the greeting was returned only about half the time, similar to the numbers you received in your previous studies, but with many enthusiastic returns. There was one instance where a hiker said hi to us before we had a chance. Our assumption was these must have been the Minnesotans. 
I have no <laughs> doubt that they were. Meanwhile, on a hiking foray yesterday in my hometown of Boise, the score was a perfect 15 for 15. Curious if your results vary dramatically by city slash, more importantly, the presence absence of headphones. Can't wait to read the new book. Kevin, your resident beer advisor. We went for a run today. We did. On the bike path. We did. Near us. And we got a complete, a complete stonewall from a guy. He was walking his dog. He looked like the dad from Family Ties, as you remarked. He did. That put the Family Ties theme song, What Would We Do, Baby, Without Us, in my head. For the rest of the run. For the rest of the run. And uh, you gave him a hearty. A hearty. A hearty. Good morning. Good morning. And he replied with. Just looked at me. Looked at you. So he clearly heard me because he looked at me. He didn't nod. He didn't smile. He didn't have headphones in. He didn't respond. It was um, it was cold and, and a little I, bit I, chilling. And I, I think he was capable of speech because I heard an audible, <laughs> like like a like a sort of a cartoon, grumpy harumph. You you think he was capable of speech? A even, if he, even if he wasn't capable of speech, a smile or a nod will do. That's usually what you get from cyclists as they're coming at you, and you like you know say hello. You usually get a a nod because they know by the time the word hello gets out of their mouth, they're past you a hundred yards. Um, but we're getting a lot of these viewer mails are talking about um, hikes and walks and runs and the anniversary of the, the woman seeing us in Greece. This might be a good time for me to bring up how uh, last week I was out on a jog without you. And about five minutes into the jog, a gentleman, um, I passed a gentleman and I passed one another going in opposite directions. And then a minute or two later, he ran up next to me. I had my earbuds in and he started talking to me. I took my earbuds out and we ran together for the next three and a half miles. How weird is that? <laughs> it, it It's weird, but I'll say it, we had a delightful conversation. He was really interesting and nice. And, um, and I, at the, t- at, actually didn't mind at all um as we were jogging together but of course that's weird like can you imagine going up to somebody you've never met before and um and just end up running with them for the next if you pass somebody from behind on another runner you're obliged to run pick up your pace and and get a good hundred yards ahead of that person so you're not running so you're not like feeling like you're competing with one another on the run it's the same way if you're merging onto a highway you don't you don't drive Directly next to the person, right? For the next ten miles. Although I think, based on my experience, if you're going to pass a person, it, they of course speed up for whatever reason, so that you have to really gun it to get past. Them. I usually, I usually say, "On your left, slow poke." <laughs> while you're driving. <laughs> while I'm driving, yes. While I'm, I'm talking about while I'm running. But, uh, but anyway, so that was an interesting, interesting experience. And interesting, I had. yeah. And and the guy was really nice, and I I I, I did enjoy this did he exhibit any knowledge of of who you are he did he did um but uh but again i enjoyed it he was a nice guy but when i step back and look at it weird not not that he was weird better running companion was weird that stranger who may or may not have been dangerous for me better running companion yeah what do you mean that person you enjoy running with more that guy or that random guy or me well I would say there, there are no wrong answers. No, here. I'm, I'm saying you, but you know, like with a lot of things, sometimes it's nice to have an occasional, variety. You know, sure. occasional variety. <laughs> Allison writes, "Hello, Rebecca and Steve. I now say Steve instead of Rebecca's husband. Well, I, I appreciate that, Allison. 
I love the idea and, implement, and implementation of the podcast. It has been such fun listening to your weekly note discussions. This is my first viewer mail to you as I'm almost caught up on the pod. It occurred to me that you both are creating a legacy of your relationship, parenting styles, jobs, and life's daily tidbits. It reminds me of my first year of teaching. I'm entering year 30 as a middle school special ed teacher. One day in my first year of teaching, I realized, after probably telling a dry joke in class that no one laughed at, that my students would bring this information about me home. They might even remember it, and me, many years later, and share it with their kids. As a young teacher, this put me on notice, practicing careful words and actions. I no longer care, however, that I no longer care that much, however, and allow my students to see that I, I like me in all of my corny ways. You too will be remembered for eternity, maybe now even not maybe now even more so. You have documented these stories for the public at large and your children. That being said, I need to bring a potential oversight to your attention. Ooh. And now we get to the crux of this. Yes. Your second oldest, and she names our second oldest, is lacking in the story sharing department. Your oldest and your youngest, by virtue of having those titles, have had many stories relayed about them, as has your son, perhaps for the fact that he is a boy. You wouldn't want her our second oldest, to feel left out after you're gone from this world and they listen to these podcasts just to hear your voices. Do you think that will happen, Rebecca? Well, why do we have to be gone from this world? I, this just took a, a sad turn. <laughs> well, no, that's what, I'm think, that's what I'm saying. Do you think that will happen, that you'll ever be gone from this world? Oh, of course not. I no, mean, no. I'm immortal. But God forbid, should you not uh, defy the odds and you and I are defy gone from this world, do you, think, do you think that our kids would ever listen to these podcasts just to hear our voices? Um. I say yes only because I occasionally listen to the saved voicemails I have from eight years ago of my mother's voice. So, yes. Good point. Hopefully this will happen way in the future, writes Allison, our, our impending demise. So thank you for that. Steve, she writes, I would think you would understand this being a middle child yourself, the, the lack of attention that our second all this has gotten on the podcast. I have to disclose that I'm a middle child myself, so I'm cheering for her. She needs a little more airtime. I've been listening and trying to recall how many times I've heard a story about her. Now I know you have told stories about her, but I don't think at the same frequency as, as your other children. I think she's absolutely she's right. She's probably right. I think she's yeah. absolutely right. Well, how do we address this, Rebecca? I'm requesting just a few more stories about her, writes Allison. With that being said, I understand that you already have a resident teacher, so instead can I please apply for the resident middle child cheerleader position? You've got the position, Allison. Oh, You've got it. Question. She's keep got casting, keep potting. Not sure which is correct. I love what listening to, I love listening to your segments with kind regards. Allison, she requests some swag. We'll send you swag. She's in Connecticut. PPS, love the Holly Rowe segments. I'm gonna see Holly Rowe tomorrow. I've got we gotta get uh Get some more Holly Rose stories. Um, we've probably had a lot more Holly Rose stories than we have second child stories. Do you think we need to to work on that? I mean, she 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 is delightful. She's Holly delightful. Rowe and our second child. She would, she and would she almost certainly us, be mortified by by being mentioned on the podcast. Right. She she definitely gives us plenty of fodder. She actually a couple days ago celebrated her thirteenth birthday. She's not Holly Rowe now, but our second oldest. She's now a teenager. And one of her big gifts that she wanted was a Nafisa Collier Minnesota Lynx jersey. Ever since the WNBA draft back in April, as soon as the draft happened, our daughter said, I want, can, you know, I would love to have a Nafisa Collier jersey. And I said, well, that'd be a good thing for you to ask for for your birthday. And uh, months later, she's now repping Nafisa Collier proudly. And I believe you tweeted a, a picture of the back of the jersey I that did. she was rocking. And Nafisa Collier then replied to her, it's wishing like, her a happy birthday, yeah, and it made her day. Wishing her a happy birthday. Yeah, that was a really, really nice thing for Nafisa to do. But uh, it's it's funny because our daughter's closet, um, she has a Nafisa Collier jersey. She has a Tina Charles jersey that she got 
few years ago when um, our, we were at our, MSG. our original uh, New York Liberty team was honored. And um, she Tina signed it, and, and our daughter's worn that thing, and it's been washed so much that the, the signature is barely visible anymore. And I just love that those two jerseys now will hang in the closet next to a jersey that's we've had for years, which is the Nikisha Sales. Cool quiche. Cool quiche. Connecticut Sun jersey, which was the first WNBA jersey ever purchased by our family for one of our children, was the and, Cool Quiche jersey. And many people asked you on Twitter, does she have a Rebecca Lobo jersey, and, and does she? I don't know. I mean, we have jerseys. We do have them. We have jerseys in the house, but um, she certainly has never worn one. No. I think one of them may have worn one as a gag to some. No, our, our, old, our oldest, they had a jersey day at her high school, and... Um, but we didn't have a replica jersey. I came down right. and found a game-worn. It may have been one of the jerseys I wore in the championship game in 1997. And uh, that was what she wore as her game-worn jersey to her high school. By the way, producer Denny Gallagher with one N provided me with a lovely gift of Knights in White Castle soccer jerseys. Oh, those things are amazing. They're, they're fantastic. We should tweet out a picture of that. And they have the podcast logo on the back and on the front, like where the crest would go. That, that's a great really idea. Cool. I will um, take a picture and post those on our Instagram, which is at Ball and Chain, uh, at Ball and Chain Podcast is our Instagram handle. But first, we have a couple of or, more of your emails. Uh, Midge, whose email address has Margaret in it, so I assume Midge is a nickname, nickname for, for Margaret. Margaret. But if you could go with Midge, why wouldn't you? I mean, right. Midge writes, love to listen and laugh with you both. I often host 5.30 Mass at a church in Durham, North Carolina. Shortest Mass, 52 minutes, with active singing for most of the congregation. What does that mean, host Mass? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't either. Um, but I'm glad she's doing it. Reading Pint Man on flight to Vancouver and laughing out loud at fantastic wordplay. Well, thank you, Midge. I request to be your resident nurse practitioner since the Russian household may need more than an OBGYN, though I love Dr. Gary Siegel, writes Midge. Faithful listener who keeps spreading the word in NC, Midge, parentheses, baptized Margaret and named after Barbie's friend. Well, there you go. So she explained that. And then she encloses a picture of what looks like to be a muffin, perhaps a scone, a cup of coffee with one of those things that baristas put in it, like a little design. Mm -hmm. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I, I, I don't know what those are called. And a paperback copy of The Pint Man. So thank you, Midge, for reading. And... Uh, We'll send you swag to uh, Durham, North Carolina. You do. You have eaten, though, a muffin or a scone. So which one is it? I've eaten both a muffin and a scone. Right. How come you can't tell what, what's in the picture? Is it just because it's too grainy? I'll sh we'll, we'll, you'll post the picture. And we'll, have a, we'll, we'll do, do a, a poll. Uh, we'll do a poll. Is this a muffin or a scone? Just a couple more here. Ed in Maryland writes, Hi, Stephen Rebecca. I just returned from a visit to Columbus, Ohio, where I enjoyed a couple of days visiting an old college roommate. We were driving to dinner when he pointed out the old White Castle corporate headquarters, which actually looks like an overgrown White Castle. Picture is attached. Here's the picture. They're actually in the process of tearing this place down in favor of a new headquarters. Picture also attached. And there's a picture of what the new headquarters will look like. The new headquarters look very corporate. The old headquarters look like a White Castle. Sounds which like one would you old, prefer? The old, clearly. Of course. Both beautiful in their own ways. No, writes Ed. Finally, I was kind of stunned to hear someone reference Brooklyn Park, Maryland last week. It turns out that my wife grew up there. Brooklyn Park High School, class of 76, go bees. Bees? B-E-E-S. Nice. Best regards, Ed in Maryland. Thank you, Ed. And finally, right? Yeah, this is finally. Finally, uh, our beloved Harold Markley 
Really, Harold Markley. We Harry something Markley. something from Harold. Writes, hi, Steve and Rebecca. Hope your summer's going well. Sorry it's been a while since I've chimed in on the podcast. Tom, Dick, and Harry had a lot of fun playing at Mears Park in June. Thanks to the podcast fans that attended. We've been busy recording our Knights in White Castle single and hope to get it out to the public soon. So Tom, Dick, and Harry are recording a song. They recorded a song, Riding, Riding on My on Stingray. My Stingray, yep. And uh, with Knights in White Castle coming out next Tuesday, they've recorded a song. We'll get it out as soon as we can. They're doing some final edits called uh, Knights in White Castle, and it's it's fantastic. I think it may be their best work yet. I That's love it. That's saying a lot. It's great. Uh, I hear you're coming to Minneapolis for a book signing on August 20th. What are the details? Majors and Quinn, August 20th, 7 p.m. Uh, any other dates that week? Maybe I will see you. No other dates in Minneapolis that week, but I will be coming back to Minneapolis in November, and I'll talk about that as, as November gets closer. P.S. On July 17th, writes Harold, my dad passed away at the age of 90 after suffering a stroke. We celebrated his life with a ceremony on July 31st. Tom, Jim Eubanks, and I, Jim Eubanks of Tom, Dick, and Harry, great songwriter. The original Tom, Dick, and Harry trio performed an acoustic version of See the World by Gomez at the event. I had the good fortune of getting to present a eulogy about my dad. Here are the highlights. I'm Harold Markley, Harry said at the, uh, at the eulogy. Many of you know me as Harry. While I like that nickname, we're here to celebrate the real Harry Markley, my dad. He was not the typical all-American dad. He was, wasn't really into sports. And anybody who knows me knows that sports are a big part of my life. While my dad was always fit, he wasn't necessarily athletic. My dad was a good-natured about the things, about doing the things I forced him to do. Here are some of those highlights. Getting splashed in the eye right after he finally came in the water to swim. He didn't want to swim. He quickly exited. Hitting balls over the fence when we tried to play tennis. Getting his fishing line caught overhead in a tree and taking three hours to clean the 12 sunnies we caught in the fishing outing that I forced him to do. This is Steve talking now. Our son but I bought him three lures at Dick's earlier this summer, and he cast the first 3 or $4 lure into a tree, and we were unable to extricate it. So it's nice that Harry's dad did these things for Harry. He did all these things, writes Harry, not necessarily because he wanted to. He did them because he loved me. The one thing that we really bonded on was the love of playing and performing music. While my dad was not your typical sports-focused dad, he taught me about the love of nature and the love of music. My dad had an active social life. It revolved around music. I followed his lead by playing music with my friends in my band, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Everyone wants their parents to be proud of them. I want to share an email I received from my dad after one of my band's early performances. And I quote, this is from Harry. This is from Harry's dad, Harry. We enjoyed watching you perform. And I must say, your band plays very well together. I think you should be getting some more gigs. Next time, though, I think because you have such a powerful sound system, I think we could sit further back. <laughs> Congratulations, Dad. <laughs> Our Harry concludes, My dad was a man of few words. When I got this email, I knew he was proud of me. Well, Harry of our Tom, Dick, and Harry, you have our condolences. Your dad, I didn't know him, but I feel like I know him from, from this beautiful eulogy. Um, he, he, he couldn't have had a, a, a better ambassador for the Markley family than you and your music and the music you make with Tom, Dick, and Harry. We appreciate it. I know our listeners appreciate it. And um, our best to your family. And I think on that note, why don't we have Tom, Dick, and Harry with the best possible tribute to, to Harry Markley play us out. Sing, 
says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in its cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. It's day by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.